You are listening to Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. Listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, and our production assistant, Daniel Tersini, we would like to welcome you to our show this morning. Good morning, Daniel and Alex. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good morning. Yep. I'm very well. How was uh, your long weekend? I'll turn my phone off here. How was your long weekend? Mine was very restful. Mm-hmm. I got to uh, spend some t- more time in the kitchen, which was uh, an adventure for me, nice. as always. Kitchen can always be an adventure. But did you get outside at all? It was beautiful out the whole weekend. The I was went wonderful. outside and just in time to do grocery shopping before the uh, stores, before the shops closed. So ah, so are you meal planning that, and freezing stuff? Um, Is that the idea? I mean, well, typically not freezing, but just preparing the meals in such a way that I'm able to refer- keep them in the fridge and keep them uh, fresh and and um probably be cooking next on Wednesday or Thursday, depending on how much my... Uh, how much my, free time you have. <laughs> how much <laughs> mince I have left in the fridge. I was actually making some potato chops this weekend, so that's a combination of just uh, beef mince with a bit of potato, and uh, I ended up putting some breadcrumbs on it and had them with some green beans and broccoli. Nice. really good. Excellent. Me, so. Excellent. Daniel, you're outside at all, or were, uh, you, uh, yeah, no, were um, you gaming it? No, no, for the most part I was, uh, I'd spent my long weekend either hanging out with friends or uh, being outside for the most part. Yeah, I, so nice. Yeah, I recently actually uh, finished biking 12K, so that was um, interesting for me, being <laughs> the way that I am. I don't think I'm really built for long dis- distance biking, but uh, it was a nice, uh, it was a nice experience. Good for you. That's good. Yeah. yeah, good for you. Hopefully you can sit down after your bike. That's uh, yeah. That's the, the tender issue to talk about. Yeah, it was a beautiful weekend. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you guys uh, enjoyed it. And Today's, yours? Oh, mine was great, actually. It was, yeah, you're uh, always had, the one asking the questions, uh, and we have to remind ourselves. Oh, that's okay. I'm always up, looking at you, looking at the clock, looking at the hand signal. So, you know, I kind of defer off to you people. <laughs> uh, mine was wonderful. We had uh, family up. We have our annual family. Family Olympics, so uh, 26 of us uh, partaking in things in and around Collingwood, so always a lot of fun. A lot that of sounds pizza making. fun. It was, and the weather has was beautiful, so it was it was great. It was great. A little bit tired, but um, that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes when I'm tired, I'm a little bit more on point. Um, yes, so anyways, today's show is live. Obviously, our number is 416-245-1534. Please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC. Our email is thh at radiomaria.ca if you would like to contact us. And please do subscribe to our podcast. We are called, <clears throat> excuse me, the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, all your pay, uh, favorite podcast platforms 
Um, as you know, all of our shows live, taped, and taped are turned into podcasts for uh, you to listen to later. We have such jam-packed shows that sometimes you need to listen a couple of times to, to get all the information out. Uh, you can also find um, the podcast on the Radio Maria website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on mine, which is kathybsa.com. Our show last week, Integrative Approaches to Pet Health with Dr. Carol Osborne, is up and ready for you to listen to. I uh, implemented some of the things I learned with my pets already. It was a very interesting show and really showed me personally where I've been lacking with uh, my pet care. So wonderful if you are a dog or cat owner to take a listen to that. We had uh, Chris Gonzalez on our show a few weeks back talking about wellness tourism. It was Mm -hmm. a very interesting show. I think it... uh, brought to light some issues that we often don't think about while we're traveling. And for me, wellness tourism and traveling sustainably are hand in hand. It's, um, it's estimated that more than a billion people travel each year. It may be more than that. This, that stat may be a little bit low. So with that many people traveling, the impact of tourism and the tourism industry on a global level is obviously substantial. And when I say this, I'm not only talking to the economics, I'm also talking uh, about the social and cultural impact that we have when we travel. We want to leave an environmental footprint. We want to, well, I hope we want to. When we go into foreign countries, to new areas, we want, in essence, to take away beautiful pictures but not leave anything that could be of any harm to the place that we're visiting. We are guests when we are traveling to other people's country. Sustainable traveling is about mindfully enjoying our experience. So without the harm, as I said, um, we want to enhance the natural and cultural environments. We shouldn't impact them to any degree other than positively. And I think, you know, as I'm starting to plan, well, I'm well into planning uh, our trip, if you've seen on on, um, the Health Hub sites, some travel pictures and things posted about where I'm intending to go out uh, to uh, Poland and Germany, uh, I am starting to look more and more into sustainable traveling. The World Tourism Organization defines sustainable tourism as development which meets the present, let me start all over, development which meets, which meets the needs of present tourists and host regions while protecting and enhancing opportunity for the future. That's important. It's an important thing to understand. As travelers, we need to be aware of this footprint, as I said before. Are we raising pollution levels when we go there? Are we leaving a positive impact on local people, their businesses, and their native cultures? I hope so. But I wanted to give you a few ways to begin the mindful journey of sustainable tourism. And one, you know, the place to start is with packing. When you're packing things, pack reusable containers. Every little bit of of pollution and garbage that you leave behind is something that the other country has to, or the other place has to take care of. Look for environmentally friendly hotels. You'll see many hotels now which are starting to change over to a much more environmentally friendly atmosphere. Um, So look for those. They're well noted when you're looking for traveling uh, places, when you're looking on the internet. Support locally run businesses, including tour operators, restaurants, and hotels. Think about guest houses, bed and breakfast, Airbnbs. All over the website. Not only are these places supporting the local people, they are often much more financially um, reachable for a lot of us. Look for businesses that give back to the community with local projects and who pay fairly to their employees. And when you are looking for souvenirs, seek out local arts uh, and craft makers. Lots of times you'll see vendors on the, the street who make little things. My son, a few years back, went to El Salvador, and there was a local woman who made crosses. And so he bought, brought back crosses as souvenirs for all of us. And also, they were so cost-efficient, he bought them for uh, people making confirmation in our church. 
So it, uh, you know, it really does support them. What what we value as a dollar may be so out of range for what they value. So do take into mind those things. And finally, I want to give you three outstanding, and these are only three outstanding apps that I've found to promote sustainable travel. One is called Eat With. And this is an amazing app that connects travelers with local people for local, unique food experiences. This can range anywhere from almost a five-star meal in Paris to meeting locally at uh, a local family's home to sit down and, and break bread with them. Fantastic app all over the world. This is, I think it was in 130 countries that, I've, that this is operating in. There's also another website called Pack for a Purpose, and its underscore is small space, little effort, big impact. When you go onto their website, you select either a destination or an initiative, and it leads you into a world of good things that will help you pack little things that, again, we may not consider substantial, but could be a world to uh, a child or a family. I'm talking little books, perhaps pencils, crayons, things like that, an outstanding app all over the world, this place, uh, it draws information from. And finally, there's one called Locavora. And if you like eating local, this is an outstanding app again. It uses your phone's GPS to help you determine which fruits and vegetables are in season wherever you are in the world. And it also pinpoints locations of nearby farmers markets, farms open to the public, and community-supported agricultural venues. Great, great apps. Great. You know, when you're thinking of traveling, these are just outstanding. Um, so I do, I do encourage you to travel mindfully, to really think about where you're going. A lot of times we're going to countries that are not as fortunate as we are, and it does not take a lot to put such a smile and impact greatly on their economy. On to today's show, we are talking with Dr. Keith Cantor. Dr. Cantor is an influential and highly successful business entrepreneur, a medical professional, a certified wellness specialist, and a leading voice in the health and wellness industries with over 35 years of professional experience. He is widely considered to be among the most preeminent experts in all natural foods, the premier doctor in correlating nutritional food science with preventing and mitigating disease, and a seasoned executive offering expertise in entrepreneurship, marketing strategies, and startup development. He has led a congressionally appointed blue ribbon panel on the decreasing health care costs and chaired the 2013 annual Corporate Wellness Association conference that was attended by over 30,000 executives and medical professionals. This is in addition to publishing two best-selling books and receiving a multitude of awards and accolades throughout the duration of his career. He is also a decorated officer in the United States Marine Corps and served in the reserves until April 2016. Our learning points, among many, as always, the addiction mechanism, common causes of addiction, and the role of nutrition in fighting addiction. When we get back from our break, we'll be talking with Dr. Cantor.
You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Our phone number is 416-245-1534 if you would like to call in. And again, do follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, we are still taking questions. If you would like to submit them, Twitter is the best at this point. And uh, if I have time at the end of the show, I yes, I will repeat um, those websites that I had for the sustainable travel. Dr. Cantor, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me, Kathy. It's, it's a pleasure. We've had a nice long chat before and uh, very happy to have you and excited about our conversation because we both are passionate about nutrition. How did you get into uh, your passion? What drove you to your passion about, uh, you know, promoting natural foods? Well, it sounds funny, but a long time ago, my daughter's 39 now, uh, but a long time ago when she was a kid, she was allergic to something that she was eating and couldn't figure out what it was. So uh, we went to doctors. Now I'm talking 37 years ago, 38 years ago. And uh, we found out that she was allergic to formaldehyde. Oh. And that's what they soaked the saran wrap in, what they wrapped the food. Really? Uh, yeah, and... Uh, again, this was a long time ago. I don't believe they do that anymore. But so we had to go all natural for her. And then, of course, it sparked my interest. So this has been a, li- a lifelong, well, I guess a half a lifelong passion for you. Now, you are have moved beyond just promoting natural food into working with people that have substance abuses and beefing up their nutrition. Can you draw a line in... Uh, that connection between nutrition and addiction? Sure. First of all, what happened is uh, years ago I formed uh, an entity called Name Program, which stands for Nutritional Addiction Mitigation Eating and Drinking. So it's just nameprogram.com. But what I found is that uh, people who are addicted to... uh, either drugs or alcohol uh, have a problem getting off of it, even when they go to clinic, you know, and staying off of it. And the relapse rate is extremely high. So when I was doing the research, actually for a friend of mine that was starting a a group of clinics, I found uh, the correlation. And let me start at the beginning, if it's okay. Sure. Let me explain what causes addiction. Yeah, but I'll do it in a, you know, not too science for you. Okay. Every, every human has in their body opiate receptors, which are little clumps of proteins that are formed in a special way. And these are located in the brain, the spinal cord, and in the gastrointestinal tract. What happens is these opiate receptors, when they're stimulated or activated, release chemicals. These chemicals then go from wherever they are located to the brain, through the blood-brain barrier, to the frontal cortex, the front of the brain, and they activate or stimulate the dopamine response, which is the feel-good neurotransmitter. This goes from the front of the brain to the middle brain, and the middle brain is uh, the brain that is involuntary. Like if you touch something that's hot and move your hand back, it's the middle brain that uh, does that. And uh, as the dopamine goes down to it, it eventually takes over the non-voluntary part and over a period of time, and they say for some drugs it could be one time, but in most cases over a period of time, it takes over the involuntary uh, middle brain where the drugs or alcohol are equal to survival. And, and that's what physically causes addiction. So you crave and you need and you believe for survival that dopamine, that pleasure response, it equates it. And that's what uh, 
causes addiction physically in all cases. So you know, the men triggers addiction, but the physical part is the same for everybody. So to try and so this isn't just a mental thing about I want it, I like it, I need it. It's you're actually trying to train, retrain this involuntary mechanism. Yeah, which is very hard to do. Which is very hard to do. So are you using nutrition to rewire this addiction, or are you trying to... What, what is the, the, the purpose of using nutrition within this mechanism? Okay, what happens when uh, the people go to uh, a clinic or a doctor for help, they get off the drugs or alcohol, which is good for them, and they uh, eat better, and uh, they work out a little bit. They have uh, help with uh, the psychologist to try to figure out what's triggering it. But what is happening is, and what I found, is that there's a lot of foods that trigger the same mechanism. So, uh, like sugar has the same effect, maybe to a lesser degree, but the same effect of stimulating the opiate receptors and uh, then causing the dopamine response, which causes addiction. Actually, sugar is the biggest addiction in in the world. Mm-hmm. But uh, sugar, sugar substitutes except for stevia, gluten, dairy, additives, preservatives, dyes, nicotine, caffeine, all of those cause the same mechanism to work that causes addiction. And they're addicting. So what happens is when the people aren't allowed or are unable to take the drugs or alcohol, they still crave that dopamine response. So they transfer the addiction to other things that are available, like sugar, like tobacco. If you ever go to a Narcotics Anonymous meeting, you'll see that almost everybody in the meeting smokes cigarettes and is eating candy bars, you know, for the sugar. They transferred it. So what I do is I develop menus with my nutrition, with my registered uh, licensed dietitians that don't stimulate the opiate receptors. So now when the person is not taking the drugs and not taking alcohol, I also make sure that they're not stimulating the same opiate receptors and keeping the mechanism going. So if you stop everything, you know, and find out psychologically why, uh, you know, what caused you to go in that direction, the trigger, it's much harder to relapse because the whole mechanism stopped. Whereas if the mechanism was ongoing, it's very easy to relapse because all you're doing is going up a degree. It's sort of like the difference between starting a fire or just pouring gasoline on a fire. So you're using, uh, just to back up a step here, nutrition is definitely a piece of the total protocol. You are talking to psychologists when you go into these places. You are working on the trigger points of addiction. Now, does it make sense uh, when you're working with everybody? um, Are you transferring slowly, you know, weaning off of one and sort of allowing a little bit of sugar and then weaning off the sugar? Or is this a total cold turkey even in the area of nutrition? It's a total uh, culture in the area of nutrition. Number one, when I deal with uh, rehabilitation clinics, that's the, if they follow my protocol, that's their protocol. So they don't have it uh, on the premises, any of those uh, foods and stay away from them. Some of them allow a little of it, uh, which isn't as effective, but, uh, in theory, you want to stay away from all of it. So you're supplying... Like said, they'll transfer so quickly to something else that will end up releasing dopamine for them that you want to stay away from that. 
So you're tr- you are actually supplying to clinics the paradigm of nutrition that you want to see the patients following. That's right. To clinics, to uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, to uh, therapists that are working with uh, people, and I also do it for a company called Vet CV, which is for the veterans. You know, when I am working with people in nutrition, that is the field that I'm in as well, I I find, and, you know, maybe you can enlighten us in the area of addiction and dealing with your patients, I find that the nutrition piece is the hardest of the lifestyle um, aspects to change and hold on to. Do you find the same thing? Yes, it's easier in a clinic setting because then the food's made for you. So it's a lot easier. But if you're having to do it all yourself, even though I supply recipes and everything, I think it's harder. The great part about it is, is that the relapse rate of the people that do follow the protocol that went through a clinic is much, much lower. And some of it is obviously because of the program. But the other part is almost like a placebo of they're that conscientious to cook the right way and eat the right way and and do all of that. They're much less likely to relapse. Do you find the demographic is different uh, between men and women with the relapse rate? I think it's a little lower with uh, women, but uh, it's not that different. It's not that different. And how many clinics would you say are, in general, are are, are clinics jumping on board with this, or is this a piece of the protocol that is a a little bit more difficult for them to, to bring on board? It's a little bit more difficult for them to bring on board. It's uh, rather inexpensive, and it actually saves them money, you know, because I don't let them give soda and, and things like that. So uh, with mine, they use water, and they replace a lot of the drinks with uh, water. I use a hydroxide uh, water. And uh, the idea is to not stimulate the opiate receptors and also uh, to drastically decrease inflammation, which almost everybody has because of the Western diet. So between those two things, it's work to do it, but if they want a lower relapse rate, uh, they'll do it. Unfortunately, you know, it's also a business, and a lower relapse rate means you have to work harder to get more customers. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, I agree. Uh, so it is a tough thing to implement. Now, are these people taught to shop on their own? Are they taught to cook on their own? Um, you're sending them away fully equipped? Yes. Uh, they're given the recipes. The food is just regular food. Uh, your uh, audience could go to uh, namedprogram.com, and there's a, a place to get a free uh menu. It's a week's worth of food and recipes for free. And they'll see it's regular food. It's nothing special that uh, they have to do, you know, like, you know, only eat goat cheese or (laughs) anything like that. Uh, It's funny, you you talk the same way as I do. Uh, You know, people talk, there's still this, this idea when you talk about nutrition that people have to change, like they're going to be incorporating foods they may not even ever have heard of. Uh, it's not that hard. It's a commitment. No, it's not. A, basically, it's staying away from sugar. The only sugar substitute I use because it doesn't stimulate the opiate receptors is stevia. I stay away from gluten, which more people, more and more people are doing now. I stay away from uh, most dairy, you know, except for a good yogurt. And I try to stay away from additives, preservatives, dyes, and of course, nicotine and caffeine. But people should be doing that anyhow. So uh, Agreed. it's not that hard. I want to, um, we're going to take a break here, but when I get back, I'd like uh, your input when we get back about uh, processed foods out there and, and whether or not uh, they may be made to maybe 
hook us in. So when we get back uh, from our break, I want to go along that path with you. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Thing on your mind today, it always goes to those who don't deserve. It's the opposite of how you feel when the pain they cause is just too real. Takes everything you have to say the word forgiveness. Forgiveness. In the face of all your pride Moves away the mad inside It's always anger's own worst enemy Even when the jury and the judge Say you got a right to hold a grudge It's the whisper in your ear Saying set it free Forgiveness Set a prisoner free There is no end to what its power can do So let it go and be amazed By what you see through eyes of grace The prisoner that it really frees is you Forgiveness Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking to Dr. Keith Cantor. Dr. Cantor, I've had a couple of questions, three questions uh, come in, and I'm wondering if uh, we can take some time here to answer them before we talk about uh, the food industry. Sure. Um, one is a, a you know, straightforward question. Is every addiction the same? I'm assuming they're talking about with regards to the addiction mechanism. 
the mechanism is the same. Some are stronger than others, like opium, heroin, uh, is a stronger addiction than, let's say, cocaine. But the, the, but the pathway, mechanism, the mechanism the, same. Okay. The pathway and the mechanism is the same. Uh, an interesting question that came in um, as well is, can food, because you're talking about sugar and a, and a few other things that we'll get to again, can food be the trigger of an addiction that can escalate into other things? Uh, certain foods are addicting. Sugar, like I said, is the largest addiction, uh, definitely in the Western Hemisphere. Uh I don't want to say that it triggers a, a drug or alcohol addiction, but again, it makes it easier because you already have the pathway moving. So you have a wheel moving and it may be moving slowly and it's much easier to get it to go faster by taking drugs or alcohol than uh, if the wheel was stopped and you have to start from scratch. So in that sense, uh, it could be a gateway, but I don't want to imply that, you know, if you have sugar, which I think is bad for you anyhow, it, it'll make you take drugs or alcohol. Okay. Um, and another question, actually, we think I think we sort of touched on it when we talked a little bit earlier uh, last week. Uh, do you feel that vaping is a viable alternative to um, a cigarette addiction? No. Uh, they're still using uh, nicotine in a purer form so and nicotine is uh, addicting now it's somewhat healthier in the sense that it doesn't have any of the extra things that they normally put in the tobacco or the paper but besides that uh, it's still uh, nicotine and uh, it's still addicting okay now, I, had, I have a question for you. You talked about foods that generally you will have people avoid when they are trying to get uh, off of an addiction. Sugar, you've talked about um, quite a bit, and we understand that now. But the role of gluten, of dairy, uh, we even some talk about nightshades. Are you talking about these particular areas of consumption as addicting, or are you talking about them down the more the inflammatory pathway? Well, they're all, all the ones that I mentioned are definitely inflammatory. Mm -hmm. But uh, they're addicting in the sense that they stimulate the opiate receptors and cause a dopamine response. Interesting. So in that sense, they are addicting if yet. I don't know if they had it in Canada, but there was a commercial with a, I think it was a potato chip company, that I bet you can't just eat one. Mm -hmm. And that's because of uh, the food scientists that they work with, where they purposely try to make the foods, uh, I guess you would say addicting, but where you really want to eat it uh, again and again. That's a perfect segue into what I wanted to talk to you about. So, when you're eating these foods, uh, that um, for, we'll go back to the potato chip that you were talking about. What is this doing? This, or what are the food companies doing to us? We'll do it that way. Well, you have to remember, everybody has a different motive. The food company's motive is to sell food. You know, that's their thing. That's their responsibility to their stockholders. So that's what they do. So they hire food scientists to make the food in such a way that uh, the people really want to eat it and keep eating it. And although they might be doing it not thinking about it, they're just trying to make it so it's uh, extremely appealing, they're putting, making sure there's sugar in the foods or gluten or dairy uh, or certain additives, preservatives, and dyes in the food so it stimulates the uh, opiate receptors and causes a dopamine response. And they do that on purpose, and they sell more food because of it. Is aesthetically pleasing food more addictive as well, would you say? No, not addictive. Enticing, uh, it may I guess? Be more appealing, okay. but not more addictive. And this is all part and parcel of it as well. 
So what, um, we've talked about the food and nutrition part, and you did talk a little bit about hydration. How important is educating people on the importance of hydration for you? Well, hydration is extremely important, you know, for your overall health. I mean, period. You should drink one half your body weight in ounces of water per day. So in other words, if you weigh... 150 pounds, you should drink 75 ounces of water per day. This is to keep you hydrated, uh, to keep your your metabolism working at its uh, peak performance, and to clear the detoxification pathways so you can get rid of uh, your toxins. I personally like uh, what's called hydroxide water, which is water made from limestone, Mm-hmm. And it has a lot of OH-negative uh, molecules in it. And those OH-negative molecules combine with uh, hydrogen protons in your body, which is just an H+, form water, and then uh, leave your body. But they're pulling the hydrogen protons from acids, the most common one being deutonium uh, H3O, so it uh, helps a lot with uh, acidity, and acidity is what causes inflammation. Is this water that you purchase, or is this a water system? No, it's water that you purchase. Okay, and what is it called again? I, I, let me write that down. Well, I call it hydroxide water. I didn't know if I was allowed. I could give you the name of the company that I, I use. Yeah, why don't you do that? I don't know if we'll be in Canada, but, I mean, we certainly, as the show goes abroad. Oh, I'm sure they ship anywhere, but it's called Aqua OH is the name of uh, the water. And the company's site is uh, optharmony.com. And it's it's pretty inexpensive, really. It comes out to, because it comes as a concentrated, it only comes out to about a dollar a quart. Oh, interesting. And most people drink about two quarts a day, so it's it's less expensive than any of the other alkaline water, and this one actually gets rid of the acid, eliminates the acid instead of just buffering it. I guess one of the things that you're going to have to do when you're talking about nutrition um, and, and, and hydrating these people and the, the whole addiction mechanism that you're trying to, to work with and to, to ter, deter is detoxification. And this can come hard and fast, I imagine, for some people. How do you prepare them for that? Well, that's the one part that I do do slow and easy. If they drink enough water you know, what they're supposed to, and follow uh, the protocol by, you know, not having uh, the foods that cause inflammation and cause the opiate receptors to stimulate, they will detox over a period of time without a special uh, mechanism. Mm -hmm. So supporting all avenues of detox, which I think is the best anyways, um, yeah. But especially coming off an addiction, yeah, I guess you want to be going awfully uh, slowly to get things back on board. And that, That's correct. Instead of doing the food slowly and letting them have a little sugar, etc., I do the detox slowly, but eliminate the foods right away. Do you work with patients um, directly, or are you um, only able to sort of have your program and, and, and get it out to the clinics? No, uh, I, with the VA, vet. CV.com. I uh, work with the patients directly. Usually I go through uh, a psychologist because I don't want to mislead somebody and tell them, okay, if you have my my protocol, my name program, it'll get you off a drug Mm -hmm. or alcohol or it'll make it so you can't get hooked on drugs or alcohol. It's a combination between the physical, which is what I handle, and the mental, which is what a therapist, psychologist, a psychiatrist handles, that combination has a much higher success rate and a much, much lower relapse rate. And, and truth be told, when we're talking about addiction, oftentimes the lines between addiction and mental illness will cross. So your program, I am assuming, would work on both fronts? Yes, uh, 
name over a period of time uh, expanded or transformed from just dealing with uh, substance abuse to dealing with mental illness and then dealing with pretty much all diseases or illnesses over a period of time. So I have a, the same program under name for mental illness, just the menus are different. Well, you, I guess See, you're... People re- don't realize... Go ahead, sorry. ...that 85% of all illnesses are nutrition-related. So it's very easy, uh, and I could give an example if you want, uh, to handle mental illness... Again, it's a dual approach. They have to deal with a psychologist, a psychiatrist, or therapist, and the physical aspect of it. And it makes it much easier to help uh, with the mental illness. It's yeah, we've heard it over and over and over again, and I still find such a block uh, when it comes to working with people how important nutrition is in any disease. And you're you're stating that again. It just seems to be people just don't, I guess because it's a part of our everyday life, you know how something that's always there, always there, you don't take notice of. It's such an important piece. I think what you're doing is uh, so very, very important, and I, and I appreciate it as someone who works in the nutrition field. One of the last topics that I want to talk to you about is... Well, let me give a quick example sure. so that people will understand. Uh, let's use sex addiction uh, as, you know, that's obviously a mental illness, and just in the United States, there's 30 million people that have that diagnosed. So it's a pretty big uh, illness. And there's things that happen, I'm sure, in your past or psychologically that triggered it. But if you're a man and you have sex addiction, what hormone or chemical do you have in your body in excess? Are you asking me? Testosterone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. Testosterone. And for women, it's both testosterone and estrogen. So if you have somebody who has a sex addiction and uh, they're going to a psychologist, it makes it so much easier for them if you give them menus that don't build up testosterone as much and even negate it, like have estrogen-type foods in it like soy, it makes it so much easier for the therapist, the psychologist, the psychiatrist to work with them. If the physical urge isn't there, now they just have to get rid of the mental urge. And the dual approach works much better. That's fascinating. That had never even crossed my mind about that. Um, that's a, it's a very interesting avenue uh, to, to further investigate. I wanted to close out here with, you were on a, a panel that talked about the health costs of, of I'm not sure if it was specifically uh, addiction, but what, you know, impact does addiction have on total health costs? In the United States, it's drastic. Uh, I think they estimated it about uh, over $300 billion a year. Wow. It's, it's and amazing. that's not counting lost wages. Mm-hmm. That's just the medical aspect of it. It's the, it, you know it, the, the impact of things like this on health. When you start to break down the numbers, the impact on the economy, you know, not just on health costs, it flows out to everything. Um, and I think what you're doing is is outstanding. And I think. Uh, you know, it's it's long overdue, and it just it just seems so natural that people should be on board with getting proper nutrients for brain health for everything. Um, I, I think it's it's a great thing that you're doing, getting this out to clinics. If people want to get a hold of you to find out more about your program, uh, maybe reach out if they have an addiction that they may want you to navigate for them or in the right direction. Where could they reach you? Well, nameprogram.com is my website. And they could uh, email me at uh, keith at nameprogram.com. And uh, that only goes to me. So Excellent. I would be able to help answer. But uh, the website should be very helpful for them. And uh, they can get a free menu. You know, it's right up front in the middle of it to see what it's like and see if they're willing to uh, 
go through. Also, you know, I believe in exercise uh, absolutely. and you know, living it's, a healthy yeah. lifestyle overall to uh, help. It's, it's, a, it's a big piece of the puzzle, but there are lots of other pieces. But I think, as, as you know, we just said, nutrition is, is vital for so many different reasons. I want to thank you for uh, being on the show, Dr. Kent. I really appreciate it. It was a very informative show for me. Well, thank you very much for having me, and uh, please email me the uh, tape, and I'll put it on my website uh, as soon as it's available, I you know, or the link to the tape. Absolutely, I will do that. Um, and just before we end our show, I wanted to um, I once again talk, uh, give you the names of the three apps for sustainable travel that uh, someone asked about. Wait, could I yeah, put absolutely. in one more thing? I absolutely. Uh, I'm in the United States, as you know, but I actually know a food company that has the all-natural foods in your area that doesn't have the additives, preservatives, dyes. The owner happens to be a friend of mine, but could okay. I say the name? Absolutely. It's Chambers, C-H-A-M-B-E-R-S, ChambersFood.com, and their uh, phone number is 888 Three six six three, and they cover the whole Toronto, Ontario, Montreal, that whole area. Excellent. Thank you for that. Thank you very much for that. No, no problem. Um, okay, so just quickly before we go, the three websites for sustainable travel that I mentioned. The first one was called Eat With, and that connects travel to uh, travelers to local people to dine with them. The other one is called Pack for a Purpose. And that is the one that uh, you select a destination or initiative, and they will recommend things for you to bring with you to give out to the local people. And the last one is Locavore that connects you with local um, local farmers markets, foods and seasons. So uh, again, if you miss that, again, I will just let me know. Send us an email and I will send that out to you. Everybody, thank you very much. And we will talk to you next week on The Health Hub. Hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.